Hello. Hi, everyone. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Um, For lunch today, well, not for lunch, my afternoon snack today, I went and bought myself a jam donut. Oh, my God. Where from? Just from Sainsbury's. Oh, Sainsbury's do the best jam donuts. Well, just, just like a one-off, like, you know, like, in the little bakery section. Ooh. Because I was like, well, I'm by myself, but who else is going to eat them? My flatmate's vegan, I can't get for a jam donut. Um, <laughs> I mean, I would definitely go and get a packet for myself. <laughs> I was considering it, but then I saw it one on its own, and I was like, I'll just go get it. Like, oh I was like, it's calling out to me. And <laughs> it's calling my name. <laughs> I've just forgotten how good, like, a good jam sugar donut is. Yeah, and Sainsbury's honestly do the best ones. Like, whenever I fancy one, I always go and get one from there. Okay, and by one, I mean one packet. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, usually I buy a packet if I was, like, at home. But, yeah, like, no one really eats them. Oh, that's like, a nice way to brighten up your day. It was such a, like, I was, like, had my lunch, and I was like, oh, I'm going to have a little damn donut now. <laughs> I mean, it's not a treat, but I had a... um. I got certainly like protein bars. That is not uh, true. <laughs> end of last year. And I was like, oh, you know, healthy snack. You know, trying to be on that health hype. And um, it's like cookies and cream one. And for some reason, I thought they were Oreos, like Oreo type things. But it's actually yeah. like a, um, what are those things called? Not a, 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 oh my God, what's it called? Flapjack. It's like a flapjack bar. Um, and it's quite nice. Yeah. But like... They obviously because it's meant to be like healthy, quote marks. Um, it's they've like replaced they've obviously replaced the sugar with like sweetener, but the sweetener leaves like a really weird like soury aftertaste on your tongue. And I was like, I just really can't. Literally, I was like just sitting on the edge of the sofa eating it. Like I really can't work out whether I like this or not. <laughs> I think that means you don't like it. Yeah. <laughs> probably would you prefer the jam donut oh my god who whenever would I not prefer a jam donut I wouldn't prefer a jam donut like oh. get the cross town ones to get like Krispy creams. it is oh. all about a Saint Bree's jam donut 100% like 100% do you remember when we used to get some all those fancy donuts at work oh and like, like the massive cakes as well yeah oh my god the, the fact that like I didn't put on like loads of weight in that job is honestly like a shock so, I mean I'm glad I'm not getting them now because I would be huge if I was still getting yeah, them since like, home like yeah if it was in like lockdown and stuff yeah you just like, be there like you don't even have to share it with the whole team you just be there like a whole cake to yourself a whole cake to yourself you don't take a little slither of like slice anymore you can just have the whole thing <laughs> <laughs> although if any PRs do want to send me cupcakes I wouldn't like oh my god yeah like know. cupcakes all the time the PR from um Lola's cupcakes actually like whenever there's like an occasion like sometimes sends me stuff um so I might have to hit them back up <laughs> but I'm like no because I'm on my I'm actually doing really well on my health kick so yeah I've been doing my exercise I've been doing the other, like when was it Tuesday I did a so on Peloton they do these like dance workouts oh, that's it's fun. so cool um uh, so we did I did that and then after that I did a, a 10 15 minute hit class yeah no right. who classes? am I at once yeah well, at once, but like one after the one other one after the other um and then I've, I've also really got into meditation as well 
sorry who are you who am i <laughs> i should be living in like la with a green juice all the time <laughs> christine quinn by your side oh my god imagine <laughs> if only i could have the weave that she has <laughs> oh god honestly that that is that. <laughs> but, yes <laughs> um so later in the episode last week we chatted to danny g the influencer and makeup artist um yeah, we spoke to her about a lot of stuff um, yes. and it was a really good chat and we'll be putting that in in a minute. But yeah. first of all, we are going to have a discussion yeah. on the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City because there is a lot to say. Um, so yes, for those who listened to last week's episode, you may have, <laughs> you may have heard us um, saying how much we admire one of the new housewives. Uh, her name is Jenny. Um, However, we now 100% retract that opinion and statement. Yeah. Because it is now, literally after we published our episode last week, it all came out that she, in 2020, was publishing very racist um, opinions on her private and personal Facebook page. Um And we just do not condone anything of that behaviour. So we completely retract everything that we said in last week's episode. Um, But yeah, Liz, how are we feeling about it? (laughs) I'm like in like shock as well. Like the whole thing. So I was listening to like a Real Housewives of Salt Lake City podcast yesterday. And they were saying like, were they like they were debating them because they were talking about like because the messages that she wrote or she like because she didn't write them, she like shared them. Yeah. um, And it was like, um to do with the police and like they were debating like the like because they were like it's obviously racist but it's like where do you draw the line between like like racist like outright and racist like implied and like where does it become political and racist and I was like this feels like a very odd conversation to be having I was like I don't really agree with this like can we not can we just yeah it's it's like that I do think with it this has definitely sparked obviously a bigger conversation that we've said before, mm. I think, with like the Real Housewives franchise. It gives certain people of certain opinions um, a platform. Mm. And because it's watched by so many people, obviously so many people have different opinions. But like, yeah, like I was seeing things on Twitter and knowing you're like, no, you're, you're what you're saying is completely wrong. Like there's no real explanation for this other than this person wanted to share this information or whatever she mm. thought she was sharing. And at the end of the day, it's racism. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's, that's what it is. There's something more to and it. it. Yeah, and it's so interesting that, like, other housewives, like, I saw these people being like, right, where is Ramona's, like, firing now then? Like Exactly. And I was actually having a conversation with Gabriel about that today, and it's like, it's funny how the people that have got caught out for stuff that um, is racist is, are people of colour? or of mm. people of certain cultures and ethnicities, yet mm. the white blonde woman who has a lot of money hasn't been called out. Mm. And I think that in itself is an issue that needs to be addressed and should yeah. be addressed. Like, they should, like, like, those women should have been called out anyway, like Jenny and Mary. <clears throat> oh, yeah. And, like, both of them doing what they did doesn't negate what the other one did either. You no, know, like, exactly. it doesn't, like, what they both did was wrong. Yeah. There's no, um, like, oh, because that person also, did like, this. Jenny didn't deserve, you know, the racism that she got, mm-hmm. but then Mary doesn't. Like, obviously, Mary's, like, she wasn't doing it out, Mary, but it's of, you know, Mary's 
background of color yeah yeah and it was just like something that Ramona is like living free like mm. she is like untouchable and I do not get it like I know everyone hates her but she's still she's still on the show and like I think obviously it's like we said we don't condone it we don't agree with it and anything like that mm. but if you if you get what I'm going to say I think it's important for these things to happen because then it does open a bigger conversation yeah. um, and it brings more things to light. So not only is it that Bravo need to do better background checks on people, um, mm. but it's also making everyone that says certain comments of that stature to be held responsible. And it just, op- it just again, opens up the race the race and the racism conversation that happened when the really sad George Floyd incident happened. Mm. And I think as disgusting as it is what was she was sharing or whatever she was posting, the fact was that she did an Instagram Live on Wednesday evening. I didn't watch it. I really wish I did. Um, and it was funny because Jen and Meredith watched it. No, I know. I, I was like, you. wow, shade. Um, <laughs> but as a result of her, this was her, again, quote marks, explaining her side of the story. No, but there's no side of your story. You've done your story. Um, but the outcome of it was that basically she blamed her social media team for posting them. I'm sorry, <laughs> babe, you weren't even on the show in 2020. Why have you got yourself a social media team? Who are you? Well, she doesn't. Like, it's a lie, <laughs> surely. Like it's I find such the whole a lie. Thing, whenever that anyone any of them use like the social media scheme excuse, like none of you are like Britney Spears or like even Britney Spears posts on her own Instagram. Like you're not Beyonce. Like you don't have a social media team. Shut up. Yeah, and it's the thing as well of like even if that was your social media team posting that stuff. At the end of the day, you should be still having a sign off of that because that's yeah. your name that they're presenting. Yeah. Like yeah, exactly. Absolutely not, like, no, 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 no. It's just, like, I think I'd have more respect for her. I wouldn't respect her, but I'd have more, like, respect for her. She's like, yeah, I posted those. Um, That doesn't, like, at the time I believe that, but now I'm having more conversations and I'm, like, learning from it. But, like, the fact that she was literally, like, I'm going to bring a black man onto my Instagram live and say mm-hmm. that it was my social media team. I was like, oh, are you okay? It's excuses. Like, it's such an easy... Or what she thinks is an easy excuse and an easy way out. And I'm like, you, you realise you're really not helping yourself. Like, you're digging yourself a really deep hole here. <laughs> like, I just can't believe people are that, like, un, like aware of what they're doing. Yeah, and I think it's, like, it's just really disappointing because I, did, I do think, I did think, obviously, again, the portrayal that we saw on the show was what she was like and I did think when it all came out that she would hold her hands up and say I was wrong and she will educate herself and obviously that kind of stuff and she would take whatever she was whatever come up and she got mm. but for her to literally just do an Instagram live and put the blame on someone else it was just very like come on like even that's a bit low like yeah just like it's your name at the end of the day yeah like the thing is like your career's over now you might as well just be honest yeah like you're, there's no coming back from this unfortunately 
Yeah, I mean, hopefully not. But you well, don't hopefully, know. yeah. And I think it's that oh, thing is. Oh, oh sorry. No, I was going to say it was a Bravo conversation. You know, earlier it's like a point I've like checked in my brain from what you said earlier. Um, you know, you like Bravo needs to do more background checks. Part of me is like, what if they do do these background checks and they keep this and they don't care because if it comes out, it's more publicity. Yeah. If it doesn't come out, they've still got a good house out of it. You know. Yeah, I think. Then do you know what? Like, it's. I think we might have spoke about this before again. Like, Bravo is actually quite like a powerful kind of platform, like yeah. program and all that kind of thing, broadcasting company and that. And in all honesty, I wouldn't put it past them. Like, I can imagine them doing it because, again, like you said, it it's more publicity for them. It's still yeah. creating a buzz around the Housewives franchise. Like, what is it? What's that saying? It's like no, there's no such thing as bad news or something like that. Yeah, or bad no, no, bad, no bad press. Yeah. Yeah. So, I wouldn't put it past them. Yeah, like I think it's a very interesting then decision that they then like fired her. Mm-hmm. Which isn't the right decision, but it's just a very interesting one. Um, and I can't remember how did it all like start. How did it come out? I, Who posted it? I don't know who the original person was that posted it, but I. But then this is what I don't understand. So what is her? I haven't looked into it, but was her Facebook private or was it open to the public? Because surely, I mean, again, like I'm glad it's come to light, and it should have been brought mm. come to the light, but. Did this person breach some sort of like privacy thing to get them, or like I don't yeah, understand like, how they were received? Her, like, yeah, that like, was it. One of her Facebook friends. Yeah, that potentially could have given it to someone else and been like, FYI, this was on there. Yeah, you know what I mean. I just like I like I can't. I didn't dig into it enough, but like. I think just, like yeah. I saw it and I was just like, oh come on! Like another housewife mm-hmm. is being aired and like. Yeah. Again, it absolutely should be, but it's mm. just like it's just another one, especially after all the Mary Cosby stuff. Ugh. Oh my god. Which again, she should just be absolutely cancelled as well. But yeah. hey ho. Um. Yeah, we don't condone yeah. that. Let's move on to a lighter note, shall we? <laughs> yeah. Well, shall we? Um. We got our chat with Danny. Yes. Uh. Give it a listen, everyone, and here we go. Hi, Danny. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Yeah, good. Thank good, you. Thank you. Um, can I just say you look absolutely stunning. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. That's so kind. Thank you. <laughs> that honestly, like we've got our friend that does makeup, and like no shade to Emma, but your makeup is incredible. Yeah, and like <laughs> we've seen her sit there for like three hours. Yeah, and do our faces. <laughs> And literally, I just sit there in awe of yeah. people that do it. <laughs> like, I don't know yeah. how you guys have the patience. I for hours as well. Um, this one only took us about half an hour, which was good. Really? But um, yeah, yeah, I just like chucked it on, stuck some eyebrows on, stuck some eyelashes on. <laughs> um, oh but yeah, I can take up hours if I want to. <laughs> What's the like longest you've ever taken to do your makeup? Oh well, when I go on a night out, I like to have the whole day like just chilled out because it's just a whole process isn't it like obviously you do your tan the night before you have a shower and then I do my eyebrows and then I might have a little snack and then I'll do the rest of my makeup and then I've got to do my wig then I've got to do the clothes and the shoes and the body glitter stuff so yeah whole process <laughs> what that. is your um, free going out snack of choice 
Oh, um, probably like McDonald's chicken nuggets. Yes. Oh, that is pre. That is what I had before we went out. Is it? The last in in November. Oh. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good old chicken select. Yeah. Well. I love a chicken select. Yeah, they're good. Yeah. <laughs> chicken nugget. The chicken nugget. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, so, yeah, we just wanted to um, have you on our podcast because we've, like, been following you and your makeup, first of all, is amazing. Um, but we've also know you've got, a, like, a big story with your alopecia. Um, and we just love you to sort of tell our listeners a bit about you and like your journey and I hate the word journey but you know what I mean like your yeah <laughs> your life story basically <laughs> yeah no that's fine do you want us to just jump straight into it yeah, and yeah go, go for, for it. it right okay so I'm Danny. I'm currently 23 year old I'm from Newcastle in England um and I've had alopecia since I was about one and a half so pretty much all of my life um it's all I've known and I think that's kind of how I am the way I am now because I've not really known any different it's always been who I am um and I kind of in a way wouldn't be me without it it would be a bit strange um but yeah it started when I was about one and a half um, my mom noticed like a little tiny patch on the top of my head um, she took me to the doctors because um she noticed that little patch and also she noticed that my hairline on the back of my head was really high and it just like kept going higher. Um, so she took like the ponytails out and stuff I was wearing because she thought, oh, maybe it's just pulling on her hair mm-hmm. and that's why it's like mm-hmm. receding basically. Um, but we went to the doctors and they just like dismissed her and they're like, oh, it's just baby alopecia. It'll go away. I'm still waiting for it to go away. <laughs> <laughs> like 23 years and it's still not gone away um but yeah they were just really like not very because obviously it's not life-threatening and I'm not gonna die from it like they didn't really care um obviously my mom as a parent like she she was worried and like she didn't know how to like deal with it herself never mind me because I was only one and a half like I didn't understand what was happening um and it was kind of all on her to just like deal with it when she didn't know how to herself um obviously there wasn't much support either from the doctors if they're saying things like that um but I eventually got referred to a dermatologist at the hospital the diagnosed is with alopecia areata which is just the patchy form um and then I had that for a few years and it kind of like formed where like I had loads of patches on my head and then they just like joined into one basically So I just had like random strands of of hair just like off my head. And I was just like, everyone does it who has alopecia, but I just clung onto those hairs like for so long. And I think it's like everyone through their journey, um, they kind of do that as well because it's like just clinging onto the last bits and thinking, oh, if I get rid of this, that's it. Um, But when I was, I think I was about six year old and we just decided to shave it all off because it was just pointless. Like you couldn't do anything with it and it just looked worse, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. Um, So we shaved it all off and I'd had alopecia totalis. So that's just like no hair on your head, um, but you've got like body hair and eyelashes and eyebrows. Um, and I went to school like that. I was like just as open as I could be about it because mm-hmm. I think if you 
try and conceal it then you're just like building something up for yourself like you're hiding something huge and it's just not that big of a deal like it's just hair at the end of the day um and it was fine at school like I wasn't really bullied or anything like that obviously there was the odd name calling that always Mm -hmm. is um but I feel like everyone goes through a bit of that during school um Mm -hmm. whether you've got hair or not like everyone has an insecurity or something that's easy for people to pick on um but it wasn't like overly bad and I think it was just because my schools were really good with it were really understanding the letters wear a cap if I wanted to or a hat um so that was good um but then it developed onto alopecia universalis which is what I've got now um that was at around 14 15 and I started losing like my eyebrows and my eyelashes um it was it kind of went like half an eyebrow at a time <laughs> so I had like some of it um and then I lost like half of the eyebrow so I could like fill that bit in but then it just got to a point where they were all gone um same with my eyelashes it just fell out in little bits like I lost half an eyelash and then I tried where I could like try and just stick a little bit of like false eyelash on mm-hmm. um but then it got to a point where all them were gone um, and then I've been like that ever since and obviously it's 23 now so about 11 years maybe like this with Universalis and I've never seen any regrowth I've never like had my eyelashes come back I've had like the odd random hair on my hip I don't know if that counts but just so strange honestly it's quite spontaneous sometimes um, but yeah I've never had any regrowth or anything like that and with my eyelashes I'd probably say that was the hardest bit Mm. um just because like I'd like grown up with no hair I was used to no hair on my head that is but then I was used to like my face and like having something on my face and I feel like without eyelashes it just made us look ill um so I just felt like awful like I just like that was the worst bit obviously I'm used to it now and eyelashes was obviously the most favorite part of my makeup routine um (laughs) for a reason probably but I think everyone who has alopecia agrees as well that eyelashes is the worst like I always say I'd prefer to have eyelashes like I'd take my eyelashes over my hair on my head any day which is just mental and here I am now (laughs) um yeah I don't know much about like alopecia like so does anyone else in your family have it like why what kind of causes it and stuff like that so there's not like loads of research into knowing exactly what causes it mm. um they do try and relate it to stress but obviously as a one and a half year old mm. what i not stressed about <laughs> <laughs> not having enough toys that day. <laughs> um so obviously that's not the main reason um they try and blame it on genetics I do have someone in my family who does have it it's my uncle um and it could possibly be I think it is a little bit of genetics but there's got to be external factors as well because I know there's a twin um that identical so if one twin had it the other should have it as well if it was purely genetic but she doesn't like a twin doesn't have it so there's got to be external factors in there um, but again, there's not enough research to know exactly what causes it. They, a lot, a lot of the time, they'll try and blame it on stress or like a trauma in your life, mm-hmm. basically. But 
Yeah. Obviously, yeah. not stressed one and a half year old. Yeah. So that's so interesting. Yeah, yeah. It's like you said, though, what you meant to blame it on, like the lack of toys. Like, yeah. So exactly. Um, I hope you don't mind us asking, but like, how have you found that people react to you? Um, to be honest, most of the time, like, I feel like the the worst bit is myself and like right. building it up and thinking people will care more than they do. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there is people who stare. <laughs> the worst is when I'm like on holiday and like a different like culture, essentially. Right. Like they'll they'll look at us and literally stare, and I can be waving at them, being like "hello," and they just won't stop <laughs> staring. Like it's really bad. Um, oh, but that's just some people's culture, and they don't realise it's really rude to stare. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, staring's probably the hardest bit, just because it's like you already feel conscious and if someone's staring at you like you're like Ooh, you just want to like curl up in a ball but um a lot of the time most people's reactions like aren't that bad like they're they're fine about it um sometimes what annoys us the most <laughs> is people think I'm a boy and I'm like really like do I not look a bit feminine like they just assume <laughs> having no hair to being a man which yeah. is obviously like just the stereotype isn't it really but yeah it's fine like they're not too bad some people but there's always that person isn't there <laughs> yeah unfortunately <laughs> so you know you mentioned like wearing wigs and stuff when did you first start like experimenting with those like when did you make that decision you're like actually I want to have a wig on um I think it was when I was in school so it was kind of when I had patches and we we're getting to the point where we couldn't hide the patches um, so like my mum would do like certain hairstyles or I'd wear a cap or something like that and then it got to a point where we just like couldn't do anything with it so we got my first human hair wig and it was this like cute little fringe thing it was so cute um, <laughs> um, and I also got like ones with like a bandana and loads of little plaits and like people would like, like absolutely love that they'd be like oh my god this is amazing would, me and my mum would be like it's a wig like a little secret that we had um but yeah I think I was about mm, 10 maybe when I got my first wig um and to be honest it was like at that time it was quite hard to get hold of wigs because the wigs are really expensive and like the average family can't afford to mm-hmm. be like spending loads on wigs mm-hmm. um so we my mom fought for like five years to just get me a wig like funded through through the NHS um so we eventually got one um to be honest you can't be too fussy with your choice when it comes to wigs if you can't afford it like nowadays there's so many wigs and companies out there that are like amazing so realistic but it's the price do you know what I mean and you can't get them funded so it's really hard um obviously the position that I'm in now with Instagram and stuff like that like I'm so fortunate like to think when I was younger and we would struggle just to get one and I'd like get what point like after two years where I'd be like it would look worse like the wig would look like it had alopecia like (laughs) it would get that bad (laughs) so like I'm in a position now where I've got that many that I just don't know which one to choose <laughs> like I'm so lucky now and I, I I love like what I do now with makeup and I think that's why I love like being so creative is because I've got all these different options now which I'm just lucky for aren't I so <laughs> yeah because that's 
what I was going to ask next actually was like so when did your love of like makeup come into it yeah I think it was like mainly around the time of when I started losing my eyelashes and my brows because that's when I had to like start trying to in a way disguise it with makeup um and I think that's just where it started like I've always been in like quite an arty person like I don't know in school and stuff like that and then I think that helped with the creativity with mm-hmm. makeup um and I, it, I think it just all stemmed from there to be honest is like or like I'm all self-taught I haven't done any lessons or anything like that and I think it's just simply because of like I had to teach myself how to like put lashes on when you've gotten on mm-hmm. and all of the like YouTube videos and like videos out there at the time for like tutorials were all on people who did have hair so it's mm-hmm. kind of like I had to teach myself because it, it can be slightly different although it's the same thing like having hair not it's like working mm-hmm. with a tech working on a blank space basically um so I just taught myself really and it just went from there and I feel like now I I go a bit wild with it have red eyebrows and all sorts so that's so cool though (laughs) because it is like that it is it gets you to release that sort of creativity side of you and you get to like experiment and Mm, do all these different looks and like I know you've got a huge following on your Instagram and like when I've been going through it like your sense of the sense of community that you've like built up from doing your videos and everything like it's actually so nice to see that there's that uplifting element of social media Mm, yeah Mm -hmm. I know I'm definitely a little bit different to the usual thing that you see (laughs) on Instagram (laughs) um so I think that's what it's all about as well as just like representing people is like obviously people like me having it since I was one and a half and if I can help someone who's going through like what I did when I was younger like that 14 15 year old girl who's struggling and not knowing how to like do eyebrows and eyelashes like I can be that person Mm. um so that's like what I love doing about it is like just teaching people and just being like a support system that should be there that isn't there like through like the doctors and hospital and stuff um, so it's a good thing about social media is obviously you can reach a lot of people and build a platform like I have now to try and support people as well. Yeah. Did you ever see it going that way when you started doing it? No, I didn't. That's just the, the mad thing about it is because um, I loved makeup. That was like how my page started. Um, and I just like took the plunge one day to just be like, right, I'll just stop posting makeup tutorials because you know you get all nervous and you think, oh, what are people <laughs> gonna think? And you're like, oh. um, but I just took the plunge and I just started posting, and then it was attracting like more people with alopecia than it was like just makeup lovers in general. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where like the whole support thing started, and because I would post with no makeup at all, no hair like a lot of people would be like oh my god that's amazing I just didn't see it as a big deal because <laughs> yeah. that's just how I've been um but then like I just started to realize like how powerful it can actually be just to like be yourself basically um <clears throat> so yeah that's how it started just my love for makeup and then accidentally attracting all of the <laughs> alpha community um yeah. what's been your like most favorite makeup look you've ever done if you can pin it down to one. Oh, it's a tough one. <laughs> um, 
I mean, I have like my classic go-to glams, mm. which is like obviously just like the bold, like smoky, classic, like browns and like if I'm going plain Jane, then I'd love that with a nice nude lip, a nice gloss. But recently I've done, I don't know if you've seen, a look with like red sparkly lips, sparkly eyeliner, red brows. And I had um, contact lenses in as well. And I was just, I was just feeling myself. I absolutely loved it. <laughs> that sounds incredible. That sounds so good. I'm really bad at makeup. Uh, yeah, I was about to say I'd love to talk about that, but I can't Luke do that myself. <laughs> we, are, yeah, we are like the worst. Well, you do like nail art. I do nail art, yeah, but that's not doing it on my face. No, but something on your hands, it's still like, yeah, you know, you know. Yeah, I'll get a professional to do that. I'll get Danny to do it for me. <laughs> <laughs> do you have any exciting projects coming up that you would like to share? Or I mean, I don't know if I can, but <laughs> <laughs> might be dropping something in there. But um, no, I do have stuff coming. Like um, I've got like collab coming that is my own product. Um, it's brow related. I won't say exactly what it is, but I've fully designed it myself, and I'm just excited to get it out there because I think it's. Like, there's similar things there, but it's just not it, if Mm -hmm. you know what I mean. Like, that's what I've found with makeup and brands at the minute is that obviously the care for the the majority, do you know what I mean? But I would say with having alopecia, I'm I'm slightly a minority just because of some products, like brow products, for example, won't really work on me. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, the, um, like the laminate effect that's, going on at the minute and like the brow freeze getting your brows all bushy and stuff Mm. like that's something I just can can never achieve (laughs) or can never use and I would love to like I really would so yeah that's That's so exciting exciting. Um, (laughs) I feel like I'm gonna go back a few like questions but you know you mentioned about wigs and like the cost of them and stuff are there any like Mm -hmm. charities or like projects out there that are like providing wigs for people that can't afford them there is. So there's the Little Princess Trust. I've actually had one wig from them before. They do wigs for people with cancer mainly. Mm. Um, but they they are doing them for people with alopecia. Last time I checked, this is, it might have changed now, but last time I checked, it was limited to under 24s. So I think I was 20 when I last got one from them. Mm. And I think they only provide you one in your lifetime. Right. so but it can help you out if you need it do you know what I mean like it helped me out when because I lost my funding through the NHS and I was desperate like my wigs were like falling apart it was awful and I like went to them and got a wig through them so it's good like it can save you if you need one if you're mm-hmm. desperate while you're waiting to build enough money to get another one mm-hmm. um the other avenues other than that um Obviously, there's Alopecia UK, but they don't do, like, wig funding or anything like that. They're just more, like, of a support. Mm -hmm. I know they've got a new, like, head of the charity because, like, I haven't worked with them a lot, to be honest. Obviously, 23 years, but um, I haven't worked with them a lot. But now they've got someone new, so hopefully we'll see a lot more from them. Mm -hmm. Um, There is... In the UK, obviously, you can try and go through your doctors, try and go through the NHS, but a lot of the time it is, like, 
you get a prescription and it's not that much but it's something towards a wig and a lot of the time it's limited to companies you can go to depending on your area and a lot of the time the very old-fashioned synthetic wigs that your grandma might get (laughs) they're not the best for like (laughs) modern young people is there it sort of leads on from that (laughs) is there anything that you think that can or needs to be done to raise awareness around alopecia yeah I really do like because I did my own event in October um, and like that was just the start for me of like trying to get a taste of what things should be like and could Mm. be like Mm. and so I do think that there needs to be more in terms of like community with like alopecia just getting people together because my very first event I went to in Newcastle about three years or something wasn't organized by me but um through another group and I met about 10 other girls with alopecia in my whole life since then I haven't known anyone other than my uncle who has alopecia so it can just be so isolating thinking you're the only one do you know what I mean not meeting anybody else who has it and it's just the sense of being able to relate to little things with someone Mm -hmm. like um Oh God, I can't think of an example, but just like general, like silly little things that you wouldn't think about. And you're like, oh my God, yeah, like yeah. I can relate to that. Mm-hmm. But like your best friend who has hair can't. And it's just mm-hmm. that level. Um, not to say that they don't care or anything like that, because of course they do, but it's just the relating part. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so like even that just opened my eyes. And, and I was like, I just came away from that event feeling like, amazing about myself and just so much more confident and I went out without my wig like the next day and like it's just not something I would like usually just be like yes let's go (laughs) um so it just like it that just proved to me that things like that need to happen more especially Mm -hmm. for like the younger kids going through like you know that vital age where like your image is really important and start to fancy people and things like that so it's just like really important to like let them know that you're fine as you are and that there's other people who look like you and it's okay mm-hmm. and I think like another thing that needs to change is obviously the wig side of things that wig situation because a lot of people grow up not being able to afford a wig or even a good wig and they rely on it to just go out the house like that's the reality of it like it takes a lot to get to where I am now and for someone who maybe has hair and just loses it overnight that's a massive adjustment and a massive change Mm -hmm. and it's just like the struggle of people like thinking people will judge you and stare at you and things like that like they just need like support in terms Mm -hmm. of having a wig that they can rely on on your bad days like there's days where I just want to wear a wig and want to have hair and that's how it should be although it's not life-threatening I just think there could be more out there to help and yeah. funds could be put towards better places where you actually see like a benefit from them. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, because even though it's not like physically life-threatening, it's still like that mental health thing of like, yeah. if you don't feel happy within yourself. And also that can be life-threatening then because then if you're not happy within yourself, you know, that does lead to other things. And, yeah. you know, it can really spiral into, you know, very dark places. Yeah definitely I know I've known like a lot of people who like do really struggle with it and I know like they might look at me and be like how do you do it (laughs) do you know what I mean and I'm like but I've always like I've not known anything anything different so if I didn't 
accept myself then what kind of life would it be to be living mm. do you know what I mean like if mm. my whole life I can't just be who I am then I can't do anything about it so I'd rather just enjoy myself than worrying about something I can't control basically Absolutely. Oh my god. Yeah, I feel very inspired now. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, wow. <laughs> what <are> we <laughs> um, final question is how in your spare time, how do you wind down? Either in an evening or at the weekend? What do you do to sort of chill out and zen? Well. Mm. Um, to be honest I don't feel like I ever chill out <laughs> when life is just so busy <laughs> it's mental like at the minute I'm just moving well bought my first house I'm moving in two weeks oh my god well done that's, yeah so that's taken all my life at the minute but normally like because I work Monday to Friday day job and then obviously I do Instagram and everything on the night on weekends so my life's very hectic but usually I chill out when I can. Um, and to be honest, I'll, I'll do makeup. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, it sounds mad, but I'll do makeup, make myself feel good. Um, just like, I like going for like little walks and stuff. I go to the beach. Um, even though it's freezing. Um, <laughs> um, I love going on holiday, but obviously that hasn't happened for a while mm-hmm. with COVID. Um, and I don't know, just like a nice bath and eating food. Oh, yeah. yeah. Can't go wrong with bath and food. I get food in the bath. Yeah. <laughs> Candles on. Yeah. Yeah. in the back <laughs> literally yeah I I think that is a very good note to finish on definitely um yeah thank you so much for chatting with us today we really really appreciate you coming on I feel like we both like learn a lot as well yeah and hopefully our listeners will have done too yeah thank you so much for having me it's been great and thanks for obviously the opportunity to like even ask and on so thank you oh well thank you anytime yeah honestly yeah honestly you've been like (laughs) a joy to chat to so thank you so much so how did you find it it's been like a week since we've chatted to her and like I still just like I remember talking to my boyfriend afterwards and being like there's so much stuff that you just don't think about of like the lack of wigs and that sort of thing yeah and I am go on sorry no I've just I'm just trying to think of what to say and to get my words out because I think it's just like it's actually technically like such a small thing like a wig but you like how big a change it is mm. someone's life with alopecia it's like you can't underestimate that impact yeah and I like I think again what we said to her is that it's such an important conversation and it's one that doesn't happen enough. Um, like I remember in high school, there was actually a girl, I think she was in my sister's year. So it would have been like, what, like three years above me. Um, and she had alopecia and she used to wear wigs. Mm-hmm. And obviously at that time, you couldn't get hold of real hair wigs or anything like that. So she would have to wear shop, black, shop bought ones, if you know what I mean. Um, and I remember, yeah, like she had it. And again, like, I, I was like, I don't really understand it. Like, I don't really get what it is. And obviously now I know more of what it is. But just hearing Danny speak so, um, like she just spoke so clearly about it. 
it just really reinforces that these are the conversations that need to be happening. Like there are so many things going on and this is one of the ones that need to be spoken about and needs to have awareness of more. And mm. it's like what she was saying about the availability of wigs and things like that. Like why, why is that not more of a thing? Why is that not being spoken about? And those charities, I know, and like she obviously said there was, there's charities out there which are doing amazing things, but where's the support for those charities at the end of the day as well? Yeah. Like, where's it has to, be? everyone needs to be helped somewhere. Yeah, definitely. Like, they can do so much, but like, give it and sort of thing. Yeah, and I'm sure exactly. they can like, help more people out, but they just physically like can't support them. Yeah. Because um, I was talking to Dan about it as well, and he was like, can they not grow like human hair in the lab yet? Like, that would be really cool yeah to go I mean that was obviously really expensive but like that would be something you know but it's that like, I did think like when we was having a conversation with her like obviously like drag queens get their wigs and like they get real hair wigs and all stuff like that mm-hmm. and it's like why can manufacture the people who make these sort of wigs or the manufacturers mm-hmm. let's say um not even donate some of these to these charities Mm. or donate them to people with alopecia like it is a thing and like obviously Danny was explaining about the different sort of levels of it like how she went through that sort of stage of she was losing hair and now she's lost it completely all over and it's that's the thing as well I didn't really realize you could actually lose it all over lose your hair all over your body I thought it was just your head eyebrows and eyelashes I didn't realize it was your complete body hair yeah um so it's I just think it's such an important conversation and one that really needs to be highlighted mm. and I think what she said about your eyelashes when once she lost her eyelashes that was the thing that for her was like what mm-hmm. now I'm really like pissed off and I think it's so interesting like the cultural significance and importance that we place on like long eyelashes and long hair and like long thick hair and stuff like it's so interesting that that's our beauty standard and that can like by losing it from a medical reason or whatever, it can render you so like mentally un like happy. Yeah. Because of a beauty standard that you're not like reaching. Yeah, and it's like what we were saying. I think you said it in the chat. It's like it obviously affects you mentally, uh, physically, but obviously there's that mental sort mm. of takes down of it as well that it could potentially obviously lead down a really dark road. Mm. Um. And yeah, like it's just I can't I can't imagine because I know like I would be devastated if I lost my hair, like yeah. and stuff like that. Like because like you said, like it is just it's a part of the beauty standard, it's part of who we are as a person. Like mm. I can't I couldn't imagine not having that. Yeah. So I think yeah, it's a it's such a good conversation that needs to be said and had. Mm. Well, thank you very much, Danny, for joining us. We really, really enjoyed talking to you. You were a babe. Yes, and absolutely stunning. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so do we have some good news of the week? We do. Um, it's a surprising one. I didn't think this was ever going to happen, but it's happening. I um, didn't even know this wasn't a thing, by the way. Oh, I just, knowing you're just like, come on, like, I don't believe this, but it's happening, it's coming. Um <laughs> So the UK's first national LGBTQ museum to open in London this spring. Um, Members of the public will be able to explore the UK's first dedicated LGBT museum from this spring after the charity Queer Britain moves into its first physical home in London. 
making the move into the historic Granary Square in King's Cross, which is owned by the Arts Fund. Queer Britain says it plans to open the doors for everyone free of charge in the not too distant future. Uh, once open, there'll be four gallery spaces, a gift shop and office facilities. Education and workshop, spa workshop spaces will follow soon after, the charity says. The charity has been working on setting up the country's first LGBTQ dedicated museum for some time. On the website, QB says such a place will be an essential pl place for all, regardless of sexuality or gender identity, to find out about the culture they have been born into, have chosen or seek to understand. It will help help complete the nation's family tree. And obviously Aww. it goes on in this article from Attitude magazine. But um, I really like that quote. I think that's really cute. <laughs> yeah, I really, really want to go because I think learning any part about human history, if it's part of your own human history or like another group that you're not really aware of, like best, I just think it's so important. And like, like there's like the last hundred years, so much has happened, so much has changed. Like I was watching Call the Midwife the other day and they had it on there um, when the homosexuality was realized, um, mm. which is so fucking ridiculous you even have to yeah. say that. And it was so like, that only happened like not long ago and like mm -hmm. all this stuff that's going to be in there hopefully it'd be so interesting I think to see it and get it to the recognition that it deserves I think it's incredible like, yeah like it's such an incredible move and like I would probably be there all the time because yeah. it is that thing that as much as I'm part of it I I know I still have a lot of learning to do like I know I've still got more education that I can do like learn from it and do so I think just to have that space and then like King, somewhere like King's Cross as well like so central mm. I think is just really a special thing to do and the fact that it's going to be free as well so people who can't afford to pay out for exhibitions and things like that mm. can still go and learn about these this kind of thing yeah I'm really excited to go I want us to go for like a little day there a little day oh trip. my god 100% like as soon as it opens I cannot wait I think I it's because so like you said as well like I I was me and Gabriel just finished actually last night watching the most recent series of Pose um <laughs> and it ends in like 1998 I think and like even then like people of colour weren't allowed to be on like the AIDS trial and like they in America they were charging um they were charging like thousands of pounds for you to get access to the medication that basically does help and cure it. Um, and it was just like, I said, we were having a conversation about it and I was like, oh, well, that was like 1998. Like mm. it, that, that actually wasn't that long ago. Like we were alive then. Yeah. Like. It's crazy. Like it's just like the things that we were watching and like, obviously it's just such an, that, that again, is such an important educational tool like if you don't want to sit and read a book if you can't if you find you can't like pay attention to that like it's yeah. a good series to watch like and it's so educational like it wasn't until I actually reflected back on it that I was like this show is actually incredible like we do and like again it's like it's a sin like mm. we do have these programs that are shedding such good light and opening the doors to learn about these really important issues mm. And I think also what you said about it being King's Cross is really important because it shows like, because I feel like this sort of thing could be very much like buried and hidden away in like Dalston or like, you know, like in like, camp, like not mm -hmm. that they're not, but they're very like London based where like 
as in like London people will know them, but like being in King's Cross, you're in like the center of London, like center of like international travel. Like, yeah, it's really like saying like this is like by putting it in that space is really important as well. I think. Yeah, I think I think it's such an important move. Um, so it's going to be in Granary Square in King's mm. Cross. And also, like um, next month is LGBTQ Plus History Month. It sure is. Woohoo! Perfect timing. <laughs> we are excited. Yes. Um, but yeah, I can't wait for that to open its doors. Um, brand of the week. What do we have? So we have um, an independent designer called Lydia Bolton, who I actually spoke to earlier this week. Very into her name, obviously. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, um, so let me read the um, bio on her website. So Lydia Bolton is a luxury sustainable brand that upcycles unwanted textiles into covetable women's wear. Founder Lydia Bolton created her namesake brand in 2019 at the age of just 25 when she felt a responsibility to create fashion in a way that didn't harm the environment. Using secondhand clothing sourced from thrift stores and unsellable items in charity shops, Lydia painstakingly unpicks unwanted garments before choosing which fabrics to reconstruct into innovative new patterns. She then creates each of her bespoke designs by hand at home at her home studio in North London. Um, by preventing clothes from going to landfill, Lydia aims to be a catalyst for changing the fashion industry. And so that her pieces go for like around like a hundred pounds, mm-hmm. which when you hear that she does all the work herself and like she sources all these materials and stuff, you completely understand why they are worth that yeah. money. And I like I really enjoyed speaking to her this week for work because um one of her designs was stolen by Shopsider, which is a Chinese um fast fashion company. Mm-hmm. And it was really interesting talking to her because she was saying the piece that they copied was one of her best sellers ever like she had so many dms being like i really really want this and she was like oh maybe i should like print the fabric in my own like mm. sustainable cotton and like i could make some more money from this and then she was like but no that goes against my brand values right so why would i do that like i could make some money but i'd be doing it for money not because i care about like because, the planet. Yeah. and i thought that was so interesting that then a company that didn't care for the planet and didn't like you know then took her design it was just like mm. so interesting but yeah all her pieces are so lovely so fun like they're just I just think they're really cool and like she just used like tablecloths and they look so chic Ooh, like, I'm like going up pieces that I want and I'm like trying to like save up but like because it is expensive but it's worth it I think so is each piece like a one-off mm. like there's no copy or like, or like like a few pieces that depend right. on which she's got like, that makes them so much more special as well, like, and yeah. so much more, like, you're literally going to be one of, like, say, five people in the world that's going to have that. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's what makes it so, yeah, it's so exciting. And, like, she's just, like, I said, it's very my vibe, like, very, not to say, like, cool, because that makes me sound cool, but it is. <laughs> <laughs> like, it just, like, it's just, like, really, like, fun, like, little shirts and, like, little like two pieces and like there's like gingham and stuff Ooh. I just I love it it's gorgeous um so yeah go give her a follow uh, look at this piece oh, wait hang on oh it's like is it a shirt yeah it's like a shirt jacket thing but oh like, that's nice yeah like you know oh, what I mean? that's really like, nice fun. so yeah go give her a follow and yes act to purchase lovely um, 
So, book of the week. Do we have one? What is it? Just me talking. Okay. So, it's a big old book this week. Um, So, yeah, it's called We Are Not Like Them by Christine Pride and Joe Piazza. So, first of all, it's a fiction book written by two women. Which I feel like when I first got it, I was like, hmm, like, am I going to be able to tell? Right. But it kind of works the story. So basically, it's the story of a black news reporter and a white housewife. The white woman's housewife, the housewife, her husband is a police officer right. and he shoots the black boy in the street by, well, by accident, who knows? And each chapter, it goes from the black woman's, um, like her, because they're best friends. Oh. They grew up together, they're best friends, they're like sisters. And then obviously the woman, the news reporter is reporting on the husband's case. And the woman is, the other woman who's married to the policeman is is uh, pregnant. Oh my and, God. And it's like, it's a really, really interesting story. And that's why it works that there's two writers because then you get like each side of the story. Right, yeah. And it's like, it's such an interesting story because it really makes you, it's a really like what we're talking about, like the George Floyd stuff. Mm-hmm. It's a really good way of, learning about it I think because you really get a human I know it's all human but like to read like someone's like thoughts even though it was fiction it didn't feel like fiction yeah it's more like a like personal kind of thing yeah like obviously like it is a fictional story yeah but I can so understand like everything that each side was saying and like mm-hmm. why it would affect them and stuff and you're like there were some things that white women said that I'm like cringing at and stuff because like when the news reporter turned up at her house she's shouting but I have a black best friend I'm not racist and it's like oh babe that old that old stuff (laughs) yeah and like but then you hear from the black best friend's point of view she's like why the fuck did you say that Mm -hmm. and it's so interesting like about like friendship and women and race it's just such a interesting story I'm literally like glued to it maybe finished it and I really don't know how it's gonna end Oh my god! I feel like it's remade into like a TV set. Like it sounds very like next Netflixy or something like that. Yeah, like it's written, and then there's always like a whole thing about like the police guy. So the policeman, the woman's husband, he was the second shooter. He right. wasn't technically the first person. He was following what his partner was doing, and he the judge offers him like a like a deal where like right. he yells out his police partner. He gets a short sentence, doesn't have to go to jail. And then he's like, I can't betray my police, like, brother, Mm. even though, like, he basically should because his colleague did something wrong. And even then, that was really weird, like, to read about, like, the fraternity and, like, the weird loyalty all the police Mm. have to each other. Like, it's just so interesting. It sounds like, what's it called again? Um... We are not like them. Not every story is black and white. Oh, I might have to have a read of this. Yeah, it's really good. And it's like a good, like, fiction book as well, like, to just, like, like speed through. Ooh. Because, yeah, like, the stories to... of them with their mothers as well, like, ooh, like, like, yeah, it's just brilliant. Okay, I need to get into, like, a, fric- a fiction book because I'm trying to read all my little, what I call self-help but help books, but <laughs> I need a good fiction one because I really enjoyed it when I last read one. <laughs> <laughs> I think you need to like mix it up, don't you? Like, yeah, I try to definitely Just to, like, yeah, a bit of variation in your life. Lovely. Um, so, what have we been gifted, or what have you been gifted this week? Um, so I'm gonna say two things because oh, one, okay. I am um, is physical and I can show you, 
And the other one, um, I can't. So <laughs> on Tuesday, Wednesday evening, I went to this lovely spa in Notting Hill called Young London. And I had their, oh, I was very kindly gifted one of their facials and I chose, um, I think it's called like the Hydra Aqua Facial or something like that. I can't remember exactly what it was called. Um, but honestly, it was so incredible. Like it's a very different um, facial than what I've had before. So basically it's like um, a machine. And so they like cleanse your face and all of that. And then they get this machine and it has obviously like a little, whatever you want to call it, like a prod of the, I don't know what it's called. You know <laughs> <what I mean. laughs> and it goes, so they like put it all over your skin and basically the first time they do it, it is flushing um, like strong acids onto your face to like flush your pores and like get rid of like surface blackheads and all that kind of stuff. Um, to basically like really deep clean your face. So, but what it is as it goes on, like you don't really feel it. So like, mm. as soon as it goes on, it then sucks it back up. So like, you're not like sitting there like drowning basically, <laughs> which I thought I was like, oh my God, am I gonna like, I'm gonna need to get my armbands out for this. <laughs> so then they do that for the first one. And then the second time they do it is when they flush it with like um, vitamins, uh, hyaluronic acid, all like the really good healthy stuff. And that's really, basically infused into your skin um and then after that you get like an electrolysis type thing so it's like it um emits electric pulses into your face and they like put that all around so basically again that just pushes it all deeper and like really embeds it and then I went under an LED light for like 10 minutes 15 minutes and literally honestly it felt like I was laying in the sun like so I had like little goggles on and uh, just this no like when you're in the sun you can feel that heat and it's like sort of burning a little bit and you're like oh this feels so good um because then actually the therapist who was absolutely lovely um actually said that it actually people come to get that because it's um known to be a cure for seasonal affective disorder and I was like oh interesting I think I have that yeah <laughs> that makes so much sense, like that's such a good idea to get it in like January February and stuff when there's like no sun yeah, exactly. And it honestly did make me feel like I was sort of like laying in the sun and just like I could take myself to that place kind of thing. Um, and I love a facial because it actually gives you that time to be present and to just sort of lay mm. there and to think about stuff. Because I think it's like we don't really sometimes allow ourselves that time. So that's why I really enjoyed to have like a facial or massage because it actually forces you to have that time to just lay there and just not you can't do anything like you just you literally have to lay there yeah um, I so I find it like really therapeutic but that was that gift and then the second <laughs> gift is one uh I actually got today and it's got to be's new glued um product which is for brows and edges so mm. I always use it because I get my eyebrows laminated um and it oh, just looks so good so I use like eyebrow gel right to stick them like to keep them up but like I don't know if you can see it on here but like the brush looks really Ooh. good like it's really fine yeah um it smells really good as well but I also use this on like my facial hair so like if it gets when it gets oh. like before I shave if it's like really long um I just use it to like flatten it down 
And I also use it on the sides of my hair. When I have like a really bad like sticking up bit or anything like that, I always just like put it on, like comb it down. It's brilliant. It's so good. So like, even if it's for like eyebrows or like the edges of your hair, like I literally use it on my hair. Like it's so good because <laughs> yeah. it just captures it all. But I'm excited to try it out. Oh, that's um, fun. But yeah, they're my guests of the week. <laughs> fun. Well, that's it from us. Yeah. Oh my God, it's our last January episode. Thank God. We did it, guys. We've got through January. <laughs> I feel like it's gone really quickly. Yeah, I think I'm looking sorry. back it has, yeah. Yeah. Going through it doesn't feel like it, but going, <laughs> looking back it has. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, thank you so much again, Danny G, for joining us. Um, yeah, it was an amazing chat. And yeah, we're really thankful you came on the pod and shared your story with us. Yes, thank you. As always, you can contact us on uh, Instagram, which is Wind Down the Podcast. And you can email us at windownthepodcast.gmail.com. Um, please leave us some lovely feedback. If you know anyone that you would like to give a spotlight to, if you'd like anyone for us to interview or have on the show, please do let us know um, because we are very open to chatting to some more lovely people. But yeah, we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.